happy Saturday. Uh, that's probably a bad way to start the show, since it will, at the earliest, be Sunday for yeah. our listeners. But, George, oh, to you, here live right now, happy Saturday. Oh, thanks, man. It's a beautiful day. Uh, it would be, be nice if uh, there was, like, a decent hockey team in this city, you know. Aside from my well, my adult league team and, and our JV outlaws, <laughs> yeah, who we love dearly. Um, in fact, now on more or less a weekly basis, we are accused of somehow cheating. <laughs> hey man, if you don't want to get beat, eat nothing. Don't give up eight goals. Yep. Don't like it. Get better. Yeah. Um, we've got George's dog putzing around in the background, so. He's a good boy. He's yeah. just, he, he has a bone that he really likes. See, I feel like if I were listening to a podcast, especially one that was just very, like, conversational, and there was some ambient dog chewing noise or, like, general dog noise, I don't know, that would make me happy. Yeah, my fiance actually talks about how she likes in podcasts when there's stuff going on in the background, and quite frankly, it annoys me to no end, but, like, yeah. when she hears, like, clack, like the clinking, clacking of drinks and stuff in the back, apparently, like... Makes it feel that like a real sense. conversation. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's better than the uh, pool hall noise. <laughs> That's the ironic thing is we, we have not used your building's like recording studio, quote unquote recording <laughs> studio, because the background noise was so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Actually, we had a better sound you know, at the pool. Yeah, which I'm looking forward to better weather so we can yeah, kick up the feet the and do our, do our playoff preview by the pool like well, last year. Well, playoff preview. I guess we can talk about other teams besides the Predators. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not for a minute. Yeah. Uh, assuming that we'll be talking about the Predators playoff preview. Uh, speaking of the Predators, bad loss last night uh, to the Blackhawks. This is a... Uh, who knows? Maybe a bad loss last night to the Blue Jackets, too. Yeah, fair enough. By the time you... Uh, Sorry. Yeah, I should should mention we're about three hours from another puck drop. Um, so, congrats, Preds, on the win against the Blue Jackets. Pause. Congrats, Preds, on another bad loss this time to the Blue Jackets. Justin, you can just go in there and pick whichever one is, is appropriate. Um, <laughs> sorry, your dog dog cracks me up. Um, so the Predators, I think the last time we did one of these, it's been at least a month. And we basically, yeah. I think Hines had just kind of started. Maybe we had a few games, maybe five or six games. Yeah, I mean, um, we had. I believe we had declared though that he didn't have enough of a sample size to actually yeah. declare anything. So, so now I, I think we've seen some, in my opinion, some improvements um, to that have really benefited certain players. I mean, it's no secret to anyone that players like Mikael Grenland, um, Craig Smith have had a bit of a resurgence. Yeah, I think Craig Smith was always that. I think a lot of his numbers have stayed pretty consistent. Yeah, Mikhail Grand, like Kyle Turris and Mikhail Grandlin are very clearly. Yeah, Turris is better. Yeah, I would hesitate to keep Smith in that group because I think he's just kind of doing more of the same. Um, he's just well now that Victor Arvidsson has kind of forgotten who he is. Uh, Craig Smith is Nashville's only volume shooter, really. So it's nice to see the the goals start falling for him. Uh, two points to bring up here, actually. That's very interesting that you talked about. Arvidsson forgetting who he is because I saw a few plays last night where you could tell Arvidsson was trying to sneak like backdoor while the puck was in their own zone, like trying to get out of the zone early. And players lobbing it up, and the Blackhawks were just not having it. If it's not working against the Blackhawks, I don't know who it's going to work against. It's yeah, just, I mean, we talked about last like last year he averaged like some like a rush chance every like two games, which is almost absurd. And now it's once every four or five games. 
and you wonder where those numbers went. Yeah, there was a, a pretty nice piece by Adam Vingen about, I guess he talked to Arvidsson and who Arvidsson's not pretending that all is well, which I guess is a good thing. At least he's recognizing what's the issues that are going on. I think their conclusion was sort of that he's just the injury uh, he suffered several months ago is not fully healed and he doesn't have that burst of speed that, like you said, last year resulted in um, just a ridiculous number of rush chances every game. Well, do we know what that injury was? I th- no, because it looked like it looked like a back injury. Yeah, right? I think they, as as always, they were not specific whatsoever about it. But I think you could pretty clearly tell it's something with the lower back. Like, he got cross checked repeatedly. Lower back will always that affects everything. That's yeah, and that's I mean that's haunted PK Subban throughout his career. It's just like. I, I don't I assume it will heal hopefully fully over the off season, but I don't know. I feel like at this point you have to I would I would start having concerns about player management. This is not even what I intended to really get into, but I think it's yeah. a, a fair point. If if the player himself is recognizing that he is not healthy and he's not right now he's not really helping the team. And I don't say that to pile on him. I mean, everyone knows like he's the shell of who we got used to in the past couple of years. I feel like maybe there should be a discussion about shutting him down. Um, I mean, but that this also leads into a big conversation of like, what are the, what do the Predators see for this year? And yeah, what are, yeah. What are we trying to do? You know, because if they if they were to you know sell, let's say they trade like Craig Smith or they trade someone and they kind of say like, listen, the playoffs aren't for this year. Do you think that all of a sudden Arvidsson just is done? Like they shut him down for the year and say, "Oh, he actually needs surgery," and we were keeping him on just to, you know, just to try to make the playoffs. Right. I think that we're, you know, as we're sitting here, we're a couple of days away from the trade deadline. God forbid anything happens before <laughs> between now and this getting put out. We're um, going to our uh, two two podcasts a week, two days or two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think that we're we're quickly approaching that sort of point of no return where it's if it's not Monday the trade deadline it's got to be the next week or so that Nashville really has to take a look at what their what their goals are for the rest of the season I mean I think you have to know sooner rather than later because if you figure it out on Monday I think that's almost too late to get and I, I wonder again we don't have any inside information to the deals or you know what David Poyle's setting up or who he's talking to. Right. And most experts I've seen haven't even really figured it out yet either, but like Yeah, the only sort of eyebrow raiser right now is that Nick Benino has missed two games, but they're claiming illness. And illness I would, is a I would thing. yeah, I would take their word for it. I yeah. I think Benino is probably one of <clears throat> the more likely players that would be traded. Oh, he's just because you could sell him as high as ever right now. Um, and there's, I mean, and here's the thing: if he wasn't actually sick, they could just healthy scratch him and say asset management, and yeah. it would be totally fine. It's not like the NHL would would penalize them for that, right? So who knows? Uh, you know, there's no point in really speculating. I did see someone comment that I think this is a pretty. I mean, this really sort of highlights the dilemma that are a lot of Predators fans are facing right now of just what are we expecting from the next couple of months? Because I did see the argument that. You can't trade Nick Benino because he's one of the very few players right now producing consistently. 
I would argue that that's the exact reason you do trade him because his career is this is a, like essentially unprecedented production from his career, um, at least since he's been separated from some of his old Pittsburgh line, line mates. Yeah, it's really surprising to see that his best seasons came with Phil Kessel. I mean, who would have who could have seen that coming? I don't think you and I have ever had a conversation about Nick Benino that has not mentioned Phil Kessel. I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever had a conversation that didn't mention Phil Kessel this <laughs> once. Man, yeah. Nick Benino is thirty one and will be thirty two in April. Like the he's not Brad Marchand, he's not turning some corner. There's a little bit of shooting luck, there's a a little bit of being in the right place at the right time, and there's a lot of playing with Craig Smith. I think, I, I think that trade. If you are going to sell, I think now is a good time to do it with him because I don't know if his value will ever be higher. Yeah, and that's like I said, he's he's one of the more likely sells right now. Yeah. I think the I mean the other two you have to talk about are Granlund and Smith. Yeah, and Granlund, I think personally, I would like the team to hang on to him unless they get some crazy return. I think he's really demonstrated his strengths under this coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a player that, as much as I, as you and I still kind of resent Fiala leaving, or getting <laughs> traded, I should say, I think Granlin was a player that I was excited about at the time. And I still am. I think he... Yeah. I was always kind of expecting more from him. And I think Hines has at least unlocked a bit of that. He certainly has shown that he thrives more in a quality-first offense, and LaViolette was a quantity-first coach. I think it's pretty pretty fair to say. So, Granlin, I think, should stick around. Smith, as we have seen since he began his career, he will score 20 goals. They will come at weird times. Yeah, death taxes and Smith <laughs> having 20 goals. Um, but as you've mentioned, this will be his last big contract, so... So that, what is he going to really want for himself? Is the team unwilling to offer that? So Craig Smith is 30 right now, and he turns 31 on September 5th. He's currently making $4.25 million. I think he's going to want term more than anything. And play, people are going to look at this last year, or this year, as a basis of, well, he can still probably you know, punch up a middle six for at least two more seasons. And I think play, people will probably offer him four years. I don't know how much he'll he'll get offered, but I think he'll probably want something around four point two five million, and I don't know if that's a great idea for the Predators to do. I like Craig Smith; he makes this he makes that third line work really hard or really well, rather. But I mean, that's a win now move, and I don't necessarily know if the Predators are in a win now. <laughs> like, it's such a bizarre situation. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Also, like John Hines came in. Halfway through a season, maybe if he has a full summer in training camp to implement his system and what he likes, maybe he turns this team around. I mean, we saw it with Jared Bednar with the uh, with the Colorado Avalanche yeah. after that historically bad season. Granted, I don't think the Predators have a Nate McKinnon, you know, hiding away somewhere. But who knows? Maybe Matt Duchesne, you know, at age thirty, figures it out. I think. Well, we can talk about like. And again, pray that nothing happens between now and this going out. Talk about like contingency plans. Mm-hmm. You have options. Nashville can, let's say they they really have faith that they're going to string together some wins. Once you're in, who knows what happens? As we've seen in from the team in recent history, mm-hmm. the, the seeding really doesn't matter 
as long as, um, as, as long much as, as goaltending. goaltending. <laughs> say, as long as you goaltending. And Nashville, to be fair, their goaltending is trending in the right direction at the right time of year, which is the opposite of what we normally see. Normally, yeah. it's ridiculously good for the first three, four months. Maybe it's just because they haven't played Pecorino 50 or 55 yeah. games. Yeah, and, and Saros has now kind of emerged as the starter, which... I think it it, it was a weird process to get to this point, but it's something that we've been sort of pulling for for a while. Anyhow, so let's say Nashville really likes where they're going. They think we're buying. Who who are they after? Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of people talking about defense. Obviously, Ryan Ellis is now back after a pretty long absence. Uh, Corey Perry, he's shit. So the Predators right now have $2.47 million in uh, projected cap space. So it's not a ton to take on. The good news is they do have two second-round picks and two third-round picks for this year. So you could; those are pretty good, like, you know, that's pretty good leverage or pretty good uh, tools to, to use. But that said, like, who's left on the defensive market? Right. Like, right. I don't really understand. I mean, here, I, don't, I didn't really like anyone on the, on the market to begin with. Like, you saw Andy Green went off, and I was... I was like, oh, he's over the hill. He's like 35. Yeah. There's, he doesn't move the puck, and I don't really, you know, it'd be like getting another Dan Hamus. Right, and I think Hamus has been one of the primary reasons the team has taken a step back this year. He, When they picked him up, he was basically kind of the answer they needed in that bottom pair, yeah. just a reliable, basically not a negative possession player, which is what they had in all of their third-pair options and uh, Batetto, Weber, and Irwin, mm. but now Hamus has been very bad. Um, Thirty-seven. Oh, I know, and, yeah. and I'm not saying that that's you know other, anything other than just the kind of the way the way the time works. But yeah, father time works. Father well. time, yeah, undefeated. So I don't know. They've obviously with Ellis out for such a long time. Like the defense is not in a good place. But I'm with you. I just don't see. Yeah, Any, anyone out there? Like, and a lot of the people that I kind of thought might be able to are are off the market. And I'll be honest, a lot of people that are out there that I saw a lot of people gushing over. I didn't really like all that much. Like Alec Martinez, I thought was over the hill, and Marco Scandella was just a bizarre pick yeah. in general. Like, yeah. it was, I can't believe that he fetched a second round pick, but you know, losing Jay Bomeister, who wasn't that good in the first place, will do crazy things to Daryl Hendricks, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's. I still don't understand that move, and I don't, I don't, I don't know who's left on the market. I I've heard people talk about Colin Miller, but I think that I get the feeling just from how I've seen things play out before that Jason Bodrell is no longer making, is no longer allowed to make trades. <laughs> like I, I don't think he makes it past. Uh, I don't think he makes it to the NHL draft. I think that that <laughs> yeah. you know that the owners have said yeah. you're done running this team. Yeah, but. I mean, like Colin Miller, um, I don't think P.K. Subban will get moved. And, you know, he's obviously not who he was last year or two no. years ago, but even then, if you could get a good deal on him, he would be better than what you have. But, again, still probably not that great. Yeah, and I I just don't see the team <laughs> picking up P.K. Subban again. Yeah. Less yeah. than a year after they traded him away for nothing. Because then at that point, you're probably trading him for something, and they've gotten... I mean, they, the return was a cap dump, so that would look really bad. That would be Cody McLeod all again, which is, in principle, to me, the same idea that you lose a player for nothing, you put him on waivers, and then you've traded a seventh-round pick to get him back. 
Quick, quick question though: What do you think was a worse pickup, Cody McLeod or uh, or Fisher? Just a total side note. Both oh, jeez. I think the the Mike Fisher one is more excusable, but I think they're both just that. Ah, man, I got kind of in trouble in, in some hot water for my take on that, but that just that drove he, me insane when he, they picked up Fisher again. That he came back and stole a million dollars. That's like this million dollars I've ever seen. That is the best heist I've ever seen. That was just an example. I mean, I'm not going to get back into this, but that, to me, that was an example of the team not knowing how to move forward. So they think they could just move backwards. And, and I think that's a, a bit of what we've seen. I don't know. This is uh, this is a huge tangent. I'm not going to make you go down it, but with the with the actual like the the fan experience, which has been pretty ridiculed this year, and just the overall kind of marketing of the team, they they think that they can sort of just rely on the past basically to continue the success they've had, and I don't think they've really recognized that the primary reason you have fans in your building and it's fun is because your team is competitive. And when the team's not competitive, you can't do all this year of the fan pedal tavern, whatever bullshit. Cause people just don't care. And my favorite thing about it was like, everyone's like, well, he's great. The room like, well then pay him $50,000 just have him hang around the <laughs> team. Like yeah, a million. Yeah. It's, it's not even a league minimum. Deal. Yeah. Just, just have him be on as a special consultant. I mean, right. He's like, well, he's married to Craig Fisher. He clearly doesn't need the money. He just wanted somewhere to go. Yeah. Um, I'm be the assistant coach. I don't, I don't care. But, yeah, don't let him on the ice. Anyhow, okay, so basically, as I think you and I agree that the, the team's glaring issue right now is is their defensive roster. Yeah, I mean, I mean also well, also their inability to actually scratch Austin Watson's kind of weighing them down. But yeah. I ha- yeah, I shouldn't say glaring issue because I think that really I think there are three primary issues that we will get into the other two. But one of those I think is definitely their defensive roster. They're consistently rostering Jared Tenorti. Dan Hamus is bad. Ellis has been gone, but now is back. You know, good for him, obviously. I hope he's really am a little concerned about Ryan Ellis. That is a long yeah. time to be out with a head injury. And this is This is his second... I don't know. I oh no no I that, that was I I remember a couple years ago after the cup run that was like back surgery wasn't it? I don't think that was a head knee. Injury. I think it could be his knee. It was, but it wasn't a head injury. So right. I'm I'm misremembering. But just when I heard that he hadn't skated in like two months, that just gave me a little. I don't know. Yeah. Head head injuries will fuck up your career and your life. Yeah. As we, I mean, I it bothers me that that's even still sort of a controversial opinion, but. That's another, kind of in the vein of Arvidsson, I don't think they're going to take Ellis back out of the lineup now that they've had him put him back in, but you talk about where is the season going, yeah. and are our quote-unquote star players really healthy? If not, what's the point? And like, last night, or, you know, Friday night against the Blackhawks, like, he wasn't bad. I don't think he... Yeah, he was, yeah. He looked fine out there. No, I'm not saying anything about his performance, more just me worrying about his health. Yeah. I just mean, like, sometimes you can kind of tell with yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking through... I was curious. I, I'm going through the, the trade bait on TSN. Yeah. And, like, the defenseman that I've seen is, like, Tyson Berry, who... I mean, I don't know, he's 33 points in 62 games, but that will clearly cost quite a bit, and I don't think they're going to... I don't think Toronto will want, will want to move him out for nothing. They'll probably want help now because they're in win-now mode. Otherwise, you have Sammy Vatnin, who has not been good, and then you have, like, Eric uh, Gustafsson, who was sat last night against the Sharks... or against them, sorry, the uh, the Predators. 
and he has 26 points in 59 games. Like, that would be a good option. He only costs $1.2 million in his rental. But at the same time, do you want to trade within the division to the Blackhawks? And do you, you know, what do you, what do you think that they want for that guy? Because he's also put up, like, I mean, he's on pace for 30 points this season, which is pretty good as a second-pairing defenseman. Yeah, and the Blackhawks, I think, they're obviously in a kind of a stunted rebuild because they still have so many bloated contracts, but I don't think giving draft picks to a team that's rebuilding in your division is necessarily the best idea. I mean, especially when they've hit on, like, Kirby Dak, who was I thought was pretty good last night, and then you also have Alex Brinkett, who I can't talk about. Otherwise, you have, like, I mean, uh, Dominic Kovalik was really good. <laughs> What's your... Uh, oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 yep. Yeah, work. Um, but he, he's he's good. I'll say that. Yeah. Otherwise, like I'm just looking through, and all the defensemen are like pretty bad. I want to say I don't know. They, I guess you have like Jonas Brodine, but like I I don't I don't really know the situation that's going on in in, in Minnesota. No, like no. They fired Bruce Boudreaux because he was winning too much. But at the same time, they haven't really traded anyone. It's kind of like, what are you doing? Like, you don't just stand pat. If you're going to sell-sell, which if I was the general manager of any team, I would seriously consider Kevin Fiala. I know we, we keep bringing it up, but he's only costing $3 million. That's and he, His contract ends after this year, but he's still an RFA. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean... We get made fun of for that take all the time, but yeah. I think this team would absolutely will, and and we'll get on into this in a minute. I think, but this team would really benefit from someone who could actually transition zones correctly. Yeah, I mean, and Fiala's that guy. And I know, I know, you listeners, you couple that I know, I'm specifically referring to, will make fun of his what he does after he enters the zone. But frankly, I'm willing to take that shot. I mean. Even if you, I don't know, it kind of seems just like he'd be really good in place of Grimaldi. Or even he'd be good if you wanted to say, I don't know, shut down Victor Arvidsson because he hasn't been good. Yeah, Grimaldi's another one. Grimaldi, I was that, so high on Yes, exactly. I'm, and that's like I know that's a controversial take because he is the darling of so many that lost their love for Victor Arvidsson and needs someone else. New Arvidsson, yeah. Some players. <laughs> yeah, New Arvidsson. Arvidsson. I mean, we all know. Um, yeah, I would I would sell Grimaldi if anyone's offering because he's had a huge year, and it, yeah. I just don't think his, I don't know. I mean, he's had 30 points in 57 games like Grimaldi has. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah, he's he and Benino so have been... Pricey. When I'm doing my, like, points tracking versus my predictions, it's there are two massive positive outliers and it's Benino and Grimaldi. So yeah, sell both of them in my opinion. Yeah. And uh it turns out Kevin Fiala is has forty points in fifty five games for a offensively stunted Minnesota Wild. There you go. It's almost like you shouldn't give up on players. I don't know. It's I, like the one good know? forward you've drafted recently too. Yeah. I guess Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. Well so, even then you got him two years after. Yeah. That wasn't even yeah. the twenty fourth Best trade bait on the entire board is Detroit's cap space for TSN, <laughs> which I think is I think it's fantastic. I, I like that. All right, so what we're saying, let's just in terms of buying, I think you and I are saying that's probably not the move. Let's just, I mean, I feel like you and I have had this conversation off off pod quite a few times, but 
in a cap league and in a league like this one, if you're not if you're not a contender, you need you can't like you can't go for it. You have to sell. Yeah. Because the only thing worse than being bad is being mediocre. Perpetually mediocre. That drives me insane. That'll get you like the wilds. And you're I don't think you make a I mean, I know there are exceptions to this, but to me, I don't feel like you make a kind of a move that defines the next season at the trade deadline. Yeah. That's more of an off-season move. So right now I'm thinking, like, okay, are they just trying to get into the playoffs? Is that worth trading somebody um, or trading picks to get a slight boost? No. I say no. I'm, I'm saying I, I would not recommend buying in the Predators situation. That'll be my take on that. It And it... If they had like won the last three games, maybe I, I could talk myself yeah. into it. But, and that's the funny thing about this time yeah. of year is that we ba- like sample size gets thrown out the window, and you just say like, oh, yeah. if they lose to Chicago and Columbus two nights in a row, they have to sell. You that's, know, <laughs> well, I mean, there was that bad loss to Carolina. That was that that oh, kind of man. affected Carolina. Just embarrassed them. Yeah, I mean, and like even then, I thought, I thought the Preds dominated the first period. And then the Blackhawks were in the driver's seat for the last two. Yeah. Which is not how it should be going. Like, the Predators are such a much better team than the Blackhawks. Like, and I, I don't yeah. want to sound biased, but, like, they should have they should have rolled them, like, rolled over them. And yeah, absolutely. If, and if they lost the game 2-1 to one because, you know, in overtime because Corey Crawford's still on his head, I could see it. But, like, let's not forget that the Predators also gave up, like, 40 shots on that. Yeah, I think, they, if yeah. anything, Nashville had the better goaltending. Yeah, and I think I, I told you this last night, or earlier, last night. I told you this earlier. Like, they gave up seven passes at the slot of seven attempts. Yeah. Like, they they really made Pecorino work for that for that overtime loss. <laughs> it, it just sucks. Like, yeah. I mean, let me see if I even have it up. Yeah, I do. Uh, the Predators attempted last night. Fourteen passes to the to the Heidi area or to the slot, which is that's, really yeah, good. That's, that's good. much better than they usually do, and they connected on seven of them. Yeah, so they they still had the same amount as the as the Blackhawks, but I mean, their efficiency was just terrible. Yeah. Like you should be operating more than just fifty percent, especially when the guys that are making the passes are okay. Maybe this is going to sound bad, but like Craig Smith had two, Rocco Grimaldi had two, Kyle Turris had one. And then you had like Cal Yarnkirk and Philip Forsberg with the other. Like yeah. you kind of need more out of, you know, Johansson and Duchesne and Ramond. We'll we'll get on that in a minute. Um, okay, so basically, I'm I'm saying don't buy. You're saying don't buy. buy. No, I'm saying buy. Go for it. <laughs> Why not? Like, okay. Who are, clearly, David Poyle doesn't care. Just go for it. <laughs> I, I, he is probably retiring soon. Yeah, I mean, you paid this much money for Matthew Shane, and you have this season from Roman Yossi. Yeah. Like, honestly, what are the chances Roman Yossi has a season as good as this one ever again? Yeah, this is, yeah. He's 20, I think he's 28 or 29. Like, this is this is kind of it. Like, yeah, he is 29 and turns 30 in, in June. Yeah. Like, it's not getting better than this. And also, his cap hit jumps $5 million. So that's oh, yeah. that's Smith and or Cranlin right there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I see your point. Like, I don't. They, I don't like it. Like, and this is I, this I is why so, I. Mm, I will say that I don't know. This is a huge hot take, and I don't feel quite comfortable coming down like 100 percent on this side. I think getting to the Cup final hurt the team more than it helped the team. Yeah. 
I mean, it helped in that it drew national attention. Exactly. But... Like, the, the franchise would not be what it is recognized as now, which I think in that sense, that was, like, obviously the best season in franchise history. I mean, yeah, unless you count the President's Trophy the next year. But I don't... People talk about the window, and you're talking sort of about the, the window where you have Yossi in his prime position right now. Um... It also doesn't help that your your top pair is just is now totally concussed. I mean, right? You remember Yossi has had like six or seven. Yeah, like, yeah, he just won away. Anyway, but I don't. I still sort of argue that that window never existed. I think they. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall another team that. For and you can correct me here because you've been following the league a lot longer. That maintained its like dominant status because of goaltending for a, this long of a period of time. I can't remember, but the goaltending was so good and so consistent yeah. that like you got to make hay while the sun shines. I I think my issue is that they took good goaltending for good team play. Yes. And that just wasn't that drove the case. us both insane for 2-3 years. And like you know, you had there was a, a very accomplished person in the analytics department. Like there should have been someone saying, "Like, hey, yeah, red flags, yeah, like change this shit up." Like if we knew better with public data, I can only imagine what they knew with private data. Yeah, I mean, like right now, I think you have what like twenty data points from like natural stat trick, and I imagine like evolving wireless in like fifty, and you include like the ten that I'm working with too. Yeah. It's like what like a hundred data points right there. Supposedly, like a lot of these firms have like thousands. Yeah, and I apparently they, they pay they have for it. Budgets. Yeah, Which, and people work for them. Yes. Well, that, I think I I do think it says something about the fact that said top analytics guy went to the MLS. Yeah, and not to shit on the MLS, but it's one of the very few leagues in North America that's smaller than the NHL. Yeah. Although soccer does actually value the analytics people. So exactly, that's what I'm saying. Is like, what? It, how much was he actually being listened to? Did it feel like he was just wasting his breath every day? That's pretty much the reason he left Montreal, in fact, right? Yeah. The, they did not listen to him on trading Subban away. Oh, I wonder how that worked out. Yep. Okay, so just you're saying if there's a move, go for it, buy. I'm saying shut it down. I mean... I, this is terrible because I'm going to say like, well, it really depends on how they do tonight. <laughs> and well, we can like, do the, we, we can we do the editing trick again where you now record both. Start yeah. with if they win and yeah. do the one if they lose. Well, okay. See, I can actually talk myself into into both ways. So here's so here's what I say if they win. You also got to take it for a grain of salt because they have Columbus's goaltending is coming back down to earth and they're also like... Aren't they missing like... Like they're missing Jones, yeah. Wierenski. Like they're missing like three of their, their top scorers too. I mean, they're still a hard team to play against, but, you know, they're not the same team yeah. when you're missing a Norris candidate and his really elite partner. Yeah. Like, I... Okay, so if so, they beat Columbus... So they beat Columbus, it's kind of like, well, they beat Columbus, but they beat Columbus. Like, yeah. they beat a, you know, a decrepit Columbus. And then if they if they beat Columbus, or they lose to Columbus, you're like, well, they lost to Columbus, who was just terrible. Yeah. Like, or who was so injury-stricken, but playing well. You know. Right. It also, it also doesn't help that, uh, like this is one of their games in hand because we always talk about like yeah you know they have three four games in hand well this is one of them this back to back is counting as one in my opinion so if you can't make use of it then you know yep what are you really doing 
All right, so option two, sell. Yeah. What would they be wanting for a turn? I mean, you got to get at least a second round pick. I. The issue is, like, who also is looking to buy? Right. Because the Lightning are clearly out of the market. They got their guy in Coleman. Um, Boston's out. Boston's out. Uh, Pittsburgh's out. I mean, they got yeah. Zucker. Let's let's actually let's go to the top of the standings. Let's put Manchester. Yeah, because I'm 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 with you now. I'm just trying to think of like. Well, in Vancouver's out, and they're at the top of the Pacific. <laughs> like, Tyler Toffoli was their guy. Yeah. Um, Maple Leafs maybe. That's what I was thinking about Toronto, but they're having a very similar <laughs> year to Nashville. And they they've come out and already said that they want defense, and I don't think that Nashville has any defense to offer. No. Um, Unless you make a groundbreaking deal at the deadline, which I would argue doesn't happen. I don't, yeah. Um, let's see. Doesn't happen this year, I should say. Maybe the Panthers, but I feel like the Panthers are kind of hard-pressed. Yeah, the Panthers have $337,000 to work with. So I don't necessarily see that happening. No. Um, yeah, Penguins, Capitals... Uh, Capitals got their guy in Brendan Dillon already. That was that was a big one. Speaking of, congrats to Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. 700 goals. Pretty good. Unfortunately, he didn't do it at home. I was hoping he would do it at home. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, he, New he, Jersey, D.C. They're kind of the same, right? <laughs> uh, the Flyers could get someone. They're 7-3 in their last 10. Um, they sit third in the Metro. Um, I don't know what their... Let's see what the cap situation is like, though. That was one that people talked about, like Shane Gosper, but at the same time, he also has like, I want to say like three more years left at 4.5 and hasn't been very good this year. So I don't necessarily know what they'd want. They have $2 million left on their, or they have $2 million left in cap space. So I don't think that they, yeah, I don't think they're going to make that trade. Yeah, there just aren't that many buyers. Yeah, I mean, what, who's a lot, in the, a lot of the buyers about, already bought? Like, yeah, that's the issue. Is you got know, you got to strike while the iron's hot, and the iron is ice cold now. Yeah, and I don't think they want to trade within the central. No, that's what I'm thinking of like St. Louis or Dallas. I guess I mean, St. Louis already got their guy yep. too. Uh, the Avalanche and they're getting Tarasenko back. Like yeah. they're not feeling like they need to make a move. And they are so they're four, four and two in their last ten. The Blues are, but they've also on, they're also on a three game winning streak. Yeah. So they're kind of out of their slump now. Uh, the Avalanche, if I'm the Avalanche, I kind of feel good. Like I don't necessarily feel like I need anything. You don't need anything that Nashville's offering. I wouldn't yeah. think. And Grubauer and Francois or whatever have kind of pulled themselves, like pulled their goaltending up. Um, the Stars maybe they're six, but they're six two and two in their last ten. Let's see what let's see what they how much money they have to deal with. They have four point seven five in cap space. That could okay. So that's a, that's a Dallas maybe yeah. But at the same time, a lot, they don't really have much to give up in the way of like prospects because they a lot of their guys are now in the NHL. Yeah, a lot of them made that jump, and they don't have a second or third round pick. And I don't think they're going to want to do a first round straight up for Craig Smith. Have we thought about all the teams that have Nationals traded future considerations with? <laughs> Finally, bring all the future considerations together. I'm calling in my chit. Please don't do this. <laughs> yeah, Golden Knights got their guy. The oil. Maybe you could. I think you could probably hustle something out of the Oilers, but I don't know what. Canucks have already made their trade. Maybe the Flames. Yeah, it's just kind of like the Coyotes got Hall. I don't. I supposedly if they're gonna if they're gonna trade, they're gonna sell. But yeah, I don't know. yeah, they're in a weird spot right now. 
Yeah, I think they're sitting just outside the, yeah. the playoffs. With uh, some big, big moves they've made recently, too. Yeah, I don't necessarily see... I think, again, I think everyone that wanted to make a move has kind of made a move. Okay, so I'm saying don't buy. I'm also saying there's probably no, nowhere to sell. <laughs> or what are you saying about selling? Sell if you can, but, like, don't... I don't I, what are you like? What are you trying to do? Like, if you want to shut Arvidsson and if you want to tank and shut Arvidsson and Ellis down and say, "Oh, it's precautionary reasons," fine. Then you can give away Craig Smith and Mikael Granlund for second and third round picks. But if you think you're having a go at this, or you you know you think that there's a chance you could get in, don't sell for anything less than a first or like two seconds or whatever. I mean, I don't know. That's just that's what I get from it. Yeah. All right. So then, option three is do nothing, which. I don't think you can do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's, that's this is the point I'm trying to make. It's like I don't think there's good reason to. I don't. I don't think buying is the right option. I don't think there's many sells right now that makes sense, and I don't think doing nothing is the right answer. This yeah. is the issue with creating an artificial uh, artificial cup window and then feeling like you have to maintain it because you can't really <sighs> do this objectively. That's tough, man. That that really is. And you know what's worse is that it was totally like man made. It was they they put this upon themselves. Yeah, and I don't I don't blame the front office because again, like they were getting the results to suggest that they were on the cusp. Yeah. I just think that everything about kind of the underlying numbers that the team was doing, that if you looked at the goaltending like we talked about, like that should suggest that this team is not as close as maybe the results are suggesting. Don't put yourself in a situation where you right now where you're basically on the edge of a fence and it's like, do we kind of stay where we are precariously up here where we know we're not getting the results or do you jump all the way back down and take several steps back to try to get like a more, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's <sighs> rough. Man. It's, it's a just, weird team. It's a weird situation. The one thing we know is that they needed to make a, a definitive decision about two weeks ago and they didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know if they were just trying to see if Hines would, if things would start clicking more. And I think, I mean, I think they have, generally speaking. But I think that maybe that was the reason they were sitting around. It's like they they justified by saying, well, we just got a new coach. Let's kind of see what he's all about. I will say that, like, LaViolette was disparaged for sort of a Jekyll and Hyde team, like you never knew which National Predators you were going to get. And under Hines, they have been more consistent. The lows have been... I, it, I'm i looking mostly at expected goals. The lows have been lower than any other games this season, but they've been consistently above average. So are they... I mean, I guess that, mean, that would suggest that they're trending up. Because there's fewer lows, they're just more dramatic. I mean, when you start, but when you start from a really dramatic low place, yeah. there's nowhere really to go but up. And so, what you do now, if you're standing still, is you're saying we trust Hines to put a system in place this summer that that is more defined. We trust that Johansson, Forsberg, Arvidsson, Duchesne are going to bounce back. That Yossi's not going to regress too much. That Turris is not regressing. Smith is still around, or I don't know. It's like there's a lot of assumptions you have to make if you're sitting still. Yeah, and I don't think that that that's a safe place to be. That said, it's very hard for me to see a path forward 
with all the moves they've made by taking steps back. Yeah. So they're stuck. Are they stuck? Is that I what mean, we're going for? Are they, are they destined for perpetual mediocrity and therefore my loss of fandom? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. It's only one you can answer yourself, though. I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a team I support, so chances are mediocre is somewhere in the definition. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I I see a couple of people from... I'm, I'm on Twitter because, of course, I see a couple people in the media talking about how with the Jets lost, the Preds could uh, could actually get within a point of the first wild card spot tonight. See, and that's what... Well, here's the, if they win tonight, then they have one game in hand on Calgary and one game, or two games in hand on Winnipeg, uh, and they would be tied with Calgary but have less wins and so be still out of the playoff picture and be, you know, one point below Winnipeg but, you know, have three less wins than them. So they kind of need to hit. Like, I don't... Well, let's just, like, this is this is what I'm thinking, too, is, is hypothetically, Nashville, let's say Nashville makes the playoffs uh-huh. as the, obviously, the eighth seed in the West, or maybe seven. Okay, so what? What are you... I mean, you saw what happened to this team last year in the playoffs. They might as well have not even gone. Yeah. I mean... Are they, they're going to be probably right back here next year, maybe with one or two fewer players. I mean, again, you can assume that like Ryan Johansson is going to get back to kind of his normal self, but is you can't bet a season on it, you know? No. Cause there's really nothing that's explaining his slump. So if you can't explain it, you can't really fix it. They've tried the old line combinations. They've tried new ones. He's just clearly not the player he was last year or in his previous seasons. So, I don't know. I don't envy David Poyle. I really don't. I mean, he brought it upon himself, like... Yes, but... I mean... Well, well, well. <laughs> if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Like, I don't know, man. There's there's so many what-ifs. Like, I also feel like one of the issues is that when the Predators did make that cup run, they were the eighth seed team. And now everyone has these, like, really... Yeah, win, win and see what happens. Yeah. Or get in and see what happens, yeah. And while I don't necessarily think I, well, I kind of agree, like, hey, anything can happen in the playoffs. Like, you know, Colum- the only reason Columbus beat the Lightning last year was because they had a strategy that was designed to beat the Lightning. Like, they did a lot of their homework, and everyone played up to their to some incredible, like, feat to do it. Do you really think that John Hines is going to come up with a game plan to beat whoever they have to play, especially, like, St. Louis? Right, because we're talking about basically it being St. Louis again. Yeah, and I I don't see it, like... Here's the thing, like I I appreciate his dedication to quality over quantity, but how many times has he just made terrible line decisions? Yeah, let's get into that. Yeah, because basically we don't have the answers for trade deadline, other than there are no good answers. Yeah, everything sucks. Okay, eat at Arby's. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I mean, we kind of talked about putting Austin Watson in the lineup being a terrible or being a perpetual like destroyer of this team, just because no matter for for ten minutes a game, Austin Watson's out there just sucking, and that's ten minutes where you could be having like Forsberg or even like Colin Blackwell or Yakov Trenin, and I thought Colin Blackwell played very well against the, the Blackhawks, by the way. Um, yeah, he's like I I think he's earned a. Yeah, he's he's a, a spot, you know, for he's, this team. He's a fourth liner, but he's he's a at least replacement level fourth liner, so that's good. That's what you need. Um, 
I again my my issue not only putting Watson in the lineup is also putting him out there when you're trying to protect a lead or worse yet when there's four minutes left in the game and you're down by one. Like and why would he ever be out there? You're trying to win the game. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't know what team what coaches see in Austin Watson unless they're just firmly set in a very antiquated mentality. He's big and he blocks shots. He's big and he blocks shots. Yeah. What I have seen I pointed I mean, I'm gonna like sure I'll cherry pick an example, but against Carolina, I think it was the last two minutes of the second period or something. Nashville actually was getting a bit of momentum back. Watson skated deep into the offensive zone, hit somebody late because he felt like he needed to be himself, mm-hmm. and then put himself offside. So then Nashville lost the puck and was trapped in their own zone for the na- the last 90 seconds of the period. Again, I'm cherry-picking, but there's an example of hit and block shots. T- it just sucks the life out of a team if if you're actually trying to generate some positive chances. And somebody's out there skating behind people, trying to block, trying to make hits or establish toughness or whatever he's doing. I don't buy the enforcer thing anymore. I don't think there's a place for that in, in the NHL. I think fights are more of a um, novelty than anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's fun that this is happening because this reminds us of the good old days. But they, I don't think they actually change anything. And I don't think you need to protect your star players because as shitty as the referees are... I think they've done a pretty good job at getting getting the worst hits out of the game. Yeah, they've, they've done. So I just don't see. I do not have an argument for why Austin Watson would be in this lineup. I don't have an argument for why Jared Norney should be in this lineup. Like, there are weird, other than lack of options, I guess, on defense, which you don't have that issue of on offense. But you also have, like, Alex Carrier. Yes. Like, who, who had an admittedly sheltered but good like good first game in the NHL, like he, I think he would be fine, and I don't understand why you're relegating Dante Faber to the third line or the third pair with Dan Hamus and playing Tenorio over him. Okay, so let's get into this question that we got from. I'm sorry if this like stands for something that I'm not f- familiar with. At uh, FFWRX on Twitter asks, uh, Tenorio looks the worst defensively in five on five defense. Is that a product of quality of competition or him ha- or with him having second pair minutes? Basically, is Tenorti being put in a position to succeed and failing, or is he just bad no matter what position they put him in, I guess, is kind of this question. No, I would say it's probably both. I think he's bad, and they tried to put him in that home to say, or to like try to cover that up, and I don't think it's working. Because when, what Tenorti does poorly is what Ekholm also does poorly, and that's move mm. the puck. And at least Dante Fabro could do that. Like, he's gotten much better, especially as far as passing the puck out of the zone. He's gotten much better at that as far as the season has gone on. Uh, and while he's not great defensively, I'd probably say he's about the same as Tenorti is. And when you put, and when you put that with Ekholm, who's you know good defensively, although this year hasn't been great for him, uh, and his his inability to move the puck as well. Well, then you're you're kind of screwed. You're you're left you know struggling in your own zone because the Predators as a as a team really rely on their defensemen to move the puck out. That's interesting. So they his his line his his pairing is not doing him any favors because his weaknesses are complemented by Ekholm's weaknesses and vice versa. Um, but I don't think I don't think that people should 
consider him a permanent replacement for any of these defensemen. I don't even know if I'd start him over Yannick Weber. Like, right. That's and that's an issue. Weber, who's been sort of the best of the worst for some time now, mm-hmm. continues to I think be the best I of mean, the worst. And like, and here's the thing: if Tenorti is your number one defenseman in Milwaukee and he plays ten games over a season in Nashville, that's fine. Like that yeah. happens. As as we saw, like Ryan Else was injured for a couple of games. I I totally understand that. But if he's consistently starting and starting over better players, then that's just a terrible decision. Your, your coach needs to reevaluate that immediately. And so not only is Hines making some questionable lineup decisions, he's also, I'm somewhat disappointed to see him put in this sort of, and he's denied that he has a doghouse, but I mean, every the minute, adjo- exactly, the, adjusting the minutes. I don't know what's going on with Forsberg, Johansson, but I don't think that taking minutes away is the right answer. I know that there will be a lot of people who disagree with that because they think that these players just have an attitude problem and need to learn that they're not above the success of the team. I see where you're coming from, but also these are professionals. This is their career. I don't think that they're just being shitty about it. I think there's probably just something they need to work through. And the only time you're going to work through something is practice and playing so and like, do you see how hard they celebrate after one of their teammates scores a goal like it's very yeah. clearly like they're they're happy and they're excited and they want to do well it's not their you know maybe it's their fault they're not doing well but i don't think less ice time and less yeah. chances to prove himself is going to be the answer we saw that with kyle turris yeah exactly I mean, he's flourished under this new coach who basically treats him like a, an effective member of the team and gives him line mates to yeah, play with exactly. like it's you if you put a player in a position to succeed more often than not, those players are going to succeed. Yeah. And obviously it depends. Certain players have different skill levels, but I don't know. I This is actually, this kind of morphs into a point I had last night with Watson. This was a uh, a tweet I had that I thought I was pretty proud of. As you know, that Austin Watson starts in the defensive zone like 90% of the time. And I was always kind of like, is this because they see him as a defensive option? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, do they just think that he's good there and he moves the puck? And it's actually because most of the time when he starts in the offensive zone, the puck ends up in the defensive zone. So why not just give those opportunities to some that will actually do something with it, like Turris or Johansson or Forsberg or Ordinson? Yeah. I see. I'm afraid, though, that no one is thinking of it that way in in this franchise. I mean, we've been been taking a look at at the numbers for two years, and it took me like three or four years now, and it took me that long to figure out, like, oh, he's so bad that the puck always ends up there. You might as well just put him in there. All right. Um, Okay, so we've talked about defensive roster being one of the big issues. We've talked about lineup decisions being one of the big issues. We've sort of touched on star players being bad as one of the issues. Yeah. We could probably talk a little bit more if you want. Right. Well, that was kind of the final point. I think at the end of the day, the big problem with this team is the players they have brought in to drive this team are not driving the team. And so that's making them kind of rely on these guys like Nick Benino, Rocco Grimaldi, Craig Smith, Kyle Turris. You know, no offense, but they're not the premier players on your roster. So, what what is the team to do? Trade everyone. Burn it down. Bring back P.K. Subban. I don't know. <laughs> bring back Shea Weber. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Shea Weber, Subban, bring him back. Uh, I, I Honestly, start again from the new season. Let Give John Hines, like, 
a, a summer to actually prepare his. I don't. I mean, I, it's so. I really don't think that you can do anything during this season. Yep. And it, it really. I think does. it's too late. I think the ship has sailed for this year. It really does suck because this team is talented. I don't think anyone will argue that. But you can't. I mean, it's. I think they've run out of runway. Like there, there's no room for them to take off. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's 20 games left. Maybe they go like 15, you know, 15 and five in the last 20. But I, I don't see it happening. And I don't think that they've given us any reason to see it happening. Like they show flashes yeah. of brilliance, but have they shown us any consistency with it? Okay, so let me ask you this. This is purely spitballing. <clears throat> this is related to Brian Bastine's Bastine? Bastine? Bastine. Bastine. He's French. Uh, our friend over on the forecheck. His question is just about Joey Johansson saying his line is still generally pretty good offensively, but it's being driven by others now, not him. Here's my spitball theory. With Pierre Laviolette, Nashville's offense was entirely rush-based, mm-hmm. quantity of chances. Johansson was sort of the quality guy. He would slow down the game, find the right pass, usually to Victor Arvidsson or Philip Forsberg. Okay, now that the team has transitioned more to a quality-first mindset, teams aren't quite as surprised by Johansson. I don't know. Because I, what I've seen, eye test is telling me that Johansson is still seeing those plays. The pass is usually getting interrupted or it's going to someone who just can't convert the chance or it's going to Victor Arvidsson whose shooting talent has flown out of the window. So that's what I'm wondering if maybe he's still doing the same sorts of things, but a combination of the rest of the team being in that mentality and also his usual line mates not converting. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, last year he probably had some undue points because Arvidsson was shooting 25%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I probably, I don't know. I, I think that it's probably something to do with that. I still think Johansson's a good player. I also think that he's gotten much better recently. He still leads the team in um, passes to the slot yeah. completed and attempts. Uh, he actually, I think he leads forwards and passes denied to the slot, which is pretty cool for him because he's not really known for that. He's above average as far as uh, puck battles went. I'm pretty sure he's over like 49%, which on the Predators is very good. And like last night, exiting the zone or against the Blackhawks, right? exiting the zone, he had five completed possession exits, two of them being passes. And then entering the zone, I mean, he had one pass in, which is I think was actually tied for leadership. Like the Predators are a primarily dumping team, and they play a lot without the puck. And I don't necessarily think that that's a strategy to, to success. And players like Johansson and Forsberg are really helping that, are really kind of helping that, you know, turn that around. Yeah. I don't know. I what what can you really do with them though is the issue. I just keep putting him with uh, Arvidsson or Forsberg. I really liked him with Granlund. I thought that was a good line. Yep. Because those are two very possession-based players. And then also let you put Forsberg, Arvidsson, Duchesne together and just go with all speed and just try to throw a curveball at people. And I thought that was fun. But what do I know? Yeah, I thought for a minute there they had kind of landed on the best combinations and now they've ventured away. So Yeah. I mean, who was the other guy with uh, with Johansson, Arvids, or Johansson and Granlund? Was it like, was it Turris or was it Smith? Because either way, I'd be like, I thought that was fine. You don't remember? I don't. It was Austin Watson. 
He was the first. That's line, right. He was the first that line was, winger for like a week. That was the. Um, oh, who was it? That was there was a game where they got put out there in the last minute, and Austin Watson like dove four yep. or five times, and the other team ended up scoring with like yep. five seconds left. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, yeah, why would Johansson have a bad attitude? I, I just can't. Said, I can't understand. <laughs> um, all right. So while we're on questions from another on the four check person, we are stealing wow. all of the on the four checks. Granted, everyone in Nashville writes for on the four check. At Gin and UC, uh, just asked a bit more about why you don't like Gin and Juice. The gin no, and juice no, I, I just you know what happened after the yeah yeah it's. I, I enjoy a nice Snoop Dogg pun as much as the next guy. I really do, but uh, keep keep her moving. Let, okay, let he know. asks about Arvidsson a little more specifically. So what I want, and we've talked about Arvidsson potentially still being injured and the prospect of just shutting him down for the year. Have you seen anything with your tracking stuff that he's doing well or specific areas that he's particularly bad in? Like, how how can we really break down the decline of Victor Arvidsson? Well, well, again, the last game was really good for Marvinson from a uh, from a transition standpoint, but he really struggles when he's away from either Duchesne or from Forsberg, and I think that's because he's not a good number one option. I think that the gravity of Forsberg or Duchesne as those kind of options pulls people away, and that opens up a little more space for him. Yeah, and this could also just be one of his like declines of his speeds, you know, or the injury affecting him. Maybe he's not carrying the puck as well as he has. But I noticed it before the injury as well that he just hasn't really been carrying the puck well. And, you know, hopefully that hopefully now this is, you know, he's on a change and, you know, hopefully he's on the uptick. But he, again, he isn't, just like the rest of the players, he hasn't given me any reason to, to believe that this will be consistent. He's one of the better players at receiving high danger passes, but he's not like in the top four or five, which I think is where he should be, especially if he's consistently playing with Duchesne, Granlin, and Johansson. Yeah. And those guys are so good at getting the pucks to that area. Um, he doesn't really create much of the passes. As we know, he loves to shoot, even if it's the worst shot possible. <laughs> yep. The slap shot from the top of the face of a circle on a breakaway. Yeah. Yes, it's, please. It's just... Like, I, he's denied one... I think he's denied one or two high-danger passes, but, like, they've only attempted three on him. Yeah. Like, he doesn't... His, that's not his job. And for as much as we love to rave about, like, Mike's, or Mark Stone, rather, and, like... yeah. All those like defensive all stars, you know. Certain times players are just offense, and that's fine too. We, yeah. you, you need to score goals. Um, he consistently gets outworked on the boards, but you know he's so tiny that you kind of the best play from him is to not go that to that area and to kind of exist in the soft areas of the ice. But his game has kind of evolved from that this year, so we'll see what happens. Final question: I am curious to hear your answer on this. From at Andy Axel. Tofu. Colon. Silken. Firm. Or extra firm. Well, it just is everything else with me in my life. Extra firm is the answer. I have a feeling that would be... <laughs> extra firm is also my answer. I don't quite know the role of silken tofu, but every recipe I've seen with it calls for extra firm. Firm is also weird, because, like, what's... Why use a hybrid? I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. Why do so many uh, extra firm so many wall or flaccid? Sorry, silken. <laughs> <laughs> the rest are frankly pointless. All right, I, I think that's. Uh, I haven't had tofu in years. I yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't peg you as a tofu guy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's uh, wrap this up before we get 
uh, start offending people, <clears throat> namely myself. <laughs> <laughs> George? Yeah? Do you uh, know which podcast you've been listening to, by chance? No, I have no idea. Well, this has been Between the Fangs podcast, brought to you by Penalty Box Radio and all of our fine sponsors, someday including George himself, who will eventually kick in 200 bucks to get his face on a billboard somewhere. Yeah, I haven't figured out if it's going to be with my face or something more creative, but it'll be something interesting, to say the least. And uh, where can we find all of your other interesting... Uh, some whatever you can find me on Pelly Box Radio. <laughs> I'm hopefully going to be writing a little bit more. I actually have a couple articles out this month, which are one of them was the all disappointment line, which I thought was pretty fun to write. Yeah, very cathartic. Got to yell into the void a bit. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at George M Ten Nineteen. Yeah, I, I'm trying to be pretty nice. <laughs> you have the better, I think. Yeah, I don't you don't get, get dragged down into the. Mostly, I just laugh at people fighting, and when people point out facts that are wrong, I get to say like, oh, "Actually, I, I, my information, which I know is in fact correct, is this." See, I've I've changed my approach. Not that I I never had this issue quite as badly as no. you of of getting dragged into these long arguments. I consider it a win. For me, I've obviously lost the. I don't know false notion that I'm going to change anyone's mind. So I'm not going to try to prove people wrong anymore. I'm going to try to start fights between other people. If I can make a one comment that is the fuse that sets off some long chain of arguments, used to be I could do that with you, but you've gotten a little better at identifying those triggers. (laughs) A little smarter. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, you can find me also on Penalty Box Radio. Uh, Only thing I've done of note recently was break down the SEC tournament, which we did not talk about today. I was kind of debating whether we should or not, but... You want to do just a quick one-minute review of it? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, as as usual, awesome, awesome tournament. Uh, no bias, of course, for its fine commissioner. Yeah. <clears throat> but Who's very handsome. Yes. And very well-spoken. And, and a great editor. I'm assuming he's not still listening to this Pro- portion. Probably not. If you are, Justin, say tofu. Comment tofu or DM me. Uh, and your preference of extra firm or otherwise. Anyhow, <laughs> SEC tournament, first year was over at the Bellevue Rink. Um, yeah, awesome. We we led a great group of stats. I think we had nine or ten total stats volunteers, Yeah, which was the most we've ever had. We got to a lot of repeats, which is nice Nice to see the same people back. People actually like working with us. Or, or forget over a course of a year. As you and I forgot how mentally and physically exhausting that we, that event is. It took like a day and a half before my eyes could yeah. actually like see again. That's at 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. really looking at yeah. a computer screen all day, eating junk food. A lot I of mean, Dr. Pepper. It's just like my other thing in 64 days. <laughs> Wait a second. This sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, awesome, awesome tournament. Heavy hitting games. Yeah. Those guys really want to win, which yeah. is fun to see. They really hate each other too. Yeah. Which is even better. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, so you can find my stats breakdown of that tournament on Penalty Box Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Waitem117. Waitem. And, uh, yeah, we will be back at some point. I can guarantee you it will be after the trade deadline. How about that? Yeah. I'm and hoping. probably before the offseason. I'm hoping we do this a little more consistently just yeah, because, know. Uh, you know, we like to be in Justin's good graces. Yeah. I'll try to make sure he stays a fan of us. Um, he keeps claiming that random facts he's learning are pushing out important information from his head. I would posit that the important thing he keeps forgetting is to stop putting you and I together for things because we always drive him nuts. Yeah, I, he always forgets that we're just terrible together. Yeah. I mean, I I'm know. also terrible by myself. but <laughs> Whatever it is that we're tasked to do usually gets <laughs> done. 
Uh, just annoys, just more, annoys everyone in the process. A couple more headaches on the way. Anyhow, thanks very much for listening. Um, enjoy the uh, likely tumultuous next few days. <laughs>